What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. This is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our YouTube handle is at L.A. Rams Up. Hey, we're not insiders here. We're just Rams fans that love talking about our L.A. Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Welcome back, Ram fans. Episode 210 of Rams Up. And hopefully we have dodged a bullet. Cooper Cup suffering an injury late Tuesday afternoon. And what a time to hear about a key component of this Rams team going down with an injury. Tuesday evening around 8 o'clock, I heard. Just about to call it a night. Had an early morning planned. And I hear this news. And nobody knows anything, including Sean McVay, which I find extremely annoying. So we wait until the next morning and find out it was a hamstring injury. Dare I say just a hamstring injury, because that could still keep him out for a few weeks. But still good news, Cooper Cup should be back soon. Certainly could have been a lot worse, at least a lot worse than I thought when I hit the sack Tuesday night. I expect Cooper back for the opener. Related topic, I saw an article about the Rams potentially trading a wide receiver. One of these rumor mill things that I generally ignore, but the article was actually talking about the injuries at that position that the Denver Broncos had suffered. And it kind of made sense that, hey, maybe they would trade for a Rams wide receiver, namely Van Jefferson, in the last year of his contract. And the Rams were a little bit overstocked at wide receiver, at least they were. And maybe this is a reason to not trade away one of our receivers. Let's get through training camp healthy first. Van Jefferson to the Broncos. Let's pump the brakes on that. Made sense a couple of days ago, but now just imagine if Cooper Cup had gone down for a significant time and we didn't have Van Jefferson. A lot of you are going to argue that this season is a lost cause anyways, so why not? I disagree. Still very hopeful this team can be competitive. So negative on trading away one of these wide receivers. And on top of that, Ben Skaronic has been missing some time with a sore back. What are we going to focus on this episode? Well, we're going to continue our player focus. And like I promised, we're going to take a close look at Royce Freeman. And we're going to continue our opponent focus as well. This episode, the Washington Commanders. Some other Rams news seen some stories that Puka Nakua is getting a look at punt returner. He might fit the bill for that. Good with the ball in his hands. As long as he's good with ball security on punt returns, I'm okay with that. That's the most important thing. O'Shawn Mathis tweaked a knee. He's out a couple of weeks. And that's disappointing. He's a guy that is pretty raw, needs time to develop. Plus, it's a very competitive position. Nick Hampton, Byron Young, Michael Hoyt, Daniel Hardy. Keir Thomas, always forget about him. It's going to hold back Mathis a little bit, I'm afraid. Akello Witherspoon nursing a thumb injury. His hand is in a cast. I still think he's a front runner for a starting corner position. And the fact that Darion Kendrick is also missing some time with the hamstring injury is going to help his cause. 
So I'm thinking Witherspoon, Durant, and if Kendrick is healthy, it'll be Kendrick. If not, dare I say Hodges Tomlinson? Don't hear a peep about Robert Rochelle? Maybe one of these undrafted rookies. A position that we really have to watch closely. Probably the two positions that we should be watching most closely. Edge, rusher, and cornerback. I also read a story from one of the Ram writers. Not sure who it was. That Alaric Jackson is first on the field every day. Backing up his tweets from earlier in the year. He wants that starting job. I think it's going to take more than that to pencil him in as a starting left tackle. But... Definitely showing the dedication. And I did a little bit on that a year ago. This whole thing about the guy that's first on the field every day and last off the field every day. What happens when someone someone beats him there? Well, there goes that. Maybe we'll see Joseph Nopum sleeping in the parking lot. And another offensive lineman, Warren McClendon, off the physically unable to perform list. So that's good. He's a guy that's definitely in the mix for a swing guard tackle spot on this roster. A little undersized at tackle, but man, he performed really well at right tackle for the two-time national championship Georgia Bulldogs. And I suspect Stetson Bennett can attest to that. News from around the NFL. I hear Jimmy G and Trey Lance are both really struggling in camp. And one last word on this Jets-Broncos feud. Talked about it last episode where Sean Payton decided he had to call out the Broncos coaching staff from last year, talking about how horrible they were. And then he backtracked the next day saying, hey, saying I had my Fox Sports hat on still when I made those comments. Shame on me. But Aaron Rodgers still felt he had to defend his coach. Talking about Hackett, he said, he is arguably my favorite coach I've ever had in the NFL I thought it was way out of line, inappropriate, and I think he needs to keep my coach's names out of his mouth. Channeling a little bit of Will Smith there, I guess. So next up, we're going to get into that player focus, Royce Freeman. And then we'll follow that with a look at the Washington Commanders, who the Rams play week 15, December 17th at SoFi. If you've been following along the last few episodes, you know we touched on the Rams running back situation a little over a week ago, focused on Sony Michelle and Zach Evans, and then things changed. Sony Michelle retires and the Rams sign Royce Freeman. So I thought it would be the perfect time to get to know Royce Freeman. We'll do our player focus, one of our player focuses here today on Royce Freeman. Man, I remember when he was at the University of Oregon. That was such a fun team to watch, and he was a big part of that. I thought he was going to be a star in the NFL. He was, in fact, a five-star recruit coming out of high school. So Sony Michelle, a five-star recruit, he retires. And as I mentioned in that episode, the Rams still have three five-star high school recruits at that position, Zach Evans, Cam Akers, and Royce Freeman. Freeman is out of Imperial High School in Imperial, California. That's down near El Centro, about as far southeast as you can go in the state of California. A hop, skip, and jump over to the Arizona border down there. His second career carry at Imperial High School was a 63-yard TD run. 
as a sophomore, ran for over 2,000 yards, did that again as a junior and a senior, also did some damage as a receiver in high school, finished high school with 7,606 yards rushing, an 11.8 yard per carry average, and 111 touchdowns. That's quite a resume. Also had six receiving touchdowns. And he also returned two interceptions for touchdowns. A little icing on the cake there. He is the San Diego section record holder for career rushing yards and career rushing TDs and career points scored. So he goes to Oregon, almost 1,000 carries there, 5,621 yards and 60 TDs. Had another 814 yards and four touchdowns as a receiver. Set a bunch of Oregon records, including freshman rushing yards, freshman rushing touchdowns, career rushing yards, career rushing touchdowns as well. So he comes into the draft, a 6.10 rating by NFL.com. Same year Sony Michelle came out, by the way. So what was the scoop on Freeman coming out in the draft? Listed at 6'1", 229 at the time. I think he's put on a few pounds since then. And what did they say about him? Couldn't ignore his elite and consistent production. Big muscular frame. Uses his upper body to shrug off tackles. Good field vision and likes to run between the tackles. The concerns were his inability to jump cut real well. Low average elusiveness. And the biggest concern of all, probably just the mileage. Tires are missing a lot of tread, as they say. That's a lot of carries in high school and college. One AFC personnel director said, I think he might be better than people are going to give him credit for. He was hurt all of last year. That would have been his senior year at Oregon. And they changed up the run scheme, which kept him between the tackles. With better blocking in front of him, I'm not so sure that he's not still the same kid we saw as a sophomore. And what this Scott is referring to is his sophomore year, Freeman, 283 carries, 1,800 plus yards, 6.5 yards per carry, dropped off his junior year, only had 168 carries for 945 yards. His yards per carry dropped almost a full yard. Then it picked back up in his senior year, back up to 6 yards per carry, 1,475 yards and 16 TDs. So yes, his sophomore year was his best significant drop off his junior year and then ticked back up his senior year. 2018 draft, he goes 71st overall in the third round, one pick after Fred Warner, the 49er linebacker. Rookie year was somewhat productive, 132 carries for 521 yards and five rushing touchdowns. Came into training camp his second year uh, at the top of the depth chart, but he gets bumped by Philip Lindsay. Freeman now number two on the depth chart, finishes the year with 130 carries for 496 yards and three rushing touchdowns, and also had 256 yards receiving and a receiving touchdown. 2020 rolls along, and now the Broncos have added Melvin Gordon as well, so now Freeman is the number three running back, and he's limited to 35 carries for 170 yards, so Very slowly, the Broncos seem to be souring on Royce Freeman's potential. 2021, Philip Lindsay left in free agency for the Texans, and the Broncos signed Mike Boone and drafted Javante Williams. So now Freeman's just competing for a roster spot as a backup, 
and he was waived on September 1st of 2021 before the season started. Carolina Panthers pick him up. He played in eight games, and then they released him. November, the Texans pick him up, rushes 56 times for 169 yards. He re-signed with the Texans in 2022 and ended up on their practice squad up and down a little bit. But basically, an afterthought, and the Texans opt to not re-sign him. He remained available all the way until the other day when the Rams signed him after the Sony Michelle retirement. Clearly nothing to get too excited about when you look at Royce Freeman's production, but if you're looking for a big back to take the load off some of these guys, even if it's just in the preseason, maybe a guy that can come in on short yardage situations, a guy with some experience, right? We're talking about a guy that's had a lot of carries against top-notch competition at Oregon and has several years of NFL experience now. A guy they should be able to bring in and get spun up real quickly and see if he can carve out a role on this Rams offense. I would think he's going to remain the number four running back. If there are questions about the pecking order between Zach Evans and Sony Michelle, I don't think that question has persisted to this point. I think Zach Evans has to be ahead of him, but hey, there's a lot of training camp and preseason football ahead of us. And I would not discount Ronnie Rivers' chances of beating out Royce Freeman for the fourth running back spot. These two guys are going to get a lot of carries in the preseason, and that may be all one of them is there for, actually. Not going to see Cam Akers in the preseason. That's going to leave Kyron Williams, Zach Evans, and these two. Rivers will have his shot to make this roster. Royce Freeman brings something a little bit different, though. Bigger back, you would think better in short yardage. Not going to bust off any big gains, but if you need someone to come in and convert that third and one and a half, maybe Royce Freeman is the guy, and that would be his role. If he makes this squad, the question is, how often is he going to be active to even participate in those third and shorts, fourth and shorts? Are the Rams going to keep four running backs active on game day? Pretty doubtful. So in reality, Royce Freeman is more of an emergency back, a security blanket. If someone goes down, bring in an experienced guy that you know can get the job done. Not going to be a great running back. It would make sense that he might be the best guy available. So why not bring him in, see if he can rejuvenate his career with the Los Angeles Rams. from Rams Up. Don't forget to like and subscribe. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plasticfree305. Our series of looking at Rams 2023 opponents continues this episode. Who are we looking at? We're looking at the Washington Commanders a team that the Rams have not fared well against historically. Game history. Commanders lead 26 wins, 14 losses, and a tie. I was really not aware of this. If the Rams have a nemesis, it may well be the Washington Commanders. And I remember some stretches back in the 70s and 80s where the Rams did indeed struggle against the Washington football team known by another name back then, but nonetheless, that football team from Washington. 
Washington won the first five games of this series beginning in 1937. They had another five-game winning streak between 1977 and 1986. And there you have a 10-game edge. Last time they played, October of 2020, Rams 30, Washington 10. Daryl Henderson ran for a touchdown and had a receiving touchdown as well. Jared Koff threw for 309 yards. This is the game where Washington quarterback Kyle Allen suffered an ankle injury. Alex Smith replaced him, and if I'm not mistaken, that was Smith's first game action since he had that terrible leg injury two years prior. And I think there was a play in that game where Aaron Donald laid the wood on Alex Smith, and the announcers almost imploring Smith to retire right then and there. Don't put yourself through this. Any games that should be mentioned, and I think I've touched on this game a few times, really bad memory. 1983 playoff game, New Year's Day, 1984, Washington 51, our Rams 7. That was the John Riggins game. 25 rushes for 119 yards and three TDs. And I swear in that game, he was getting three yards on first down, four yards on second down, and three and a half yards on third down, just moving the chains continuously. The Rams were helpless. So these two teams play December 17th at So Five. By then, we should have a good read on their new quarterback, Sam Howell. What did they do last year? 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, last place in what was a tough division, at least last year it was, the NFC East. The commander started out 1-4, and four, then beat the Bears, Packers, and Colts, lost to the Vikings, and then ran off three more straight wins over the Eagles, Texans, and Falcons. Then they tied the Giants, went on their bye week, and came back and lost to the Giants, and that kind of sealed their fate. They ended up 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, one game behind the wildcard Giants. Team stats on offense, they were the 13th worst, but considering the upheaval at quarterback, not too shabby. And we'll get to that upheaval at quarterback in a second. Better running the ball 12th in yards per game on the ground, led by Brian Robinson and Anthony Gibson. And wide receiver Chris Samuel did some damage on the ground as well. They've really been hanging their head on the defense for a few years now, and they did last year. Third overall, fourth against the pass. And that defense led by three defensive linemen, Darren Payne, Montez Sweat, and Jonathan Allen. Linebacker Jamin Davis led them in tackles. Their offense, talking about their quarterback again, Taylor Heineke, threw for 1,800-plus yards. He's gone. Carson Wentz, he had 11 TDs and nine interceptions. He's gone. And the rookie Sam Howell got into one game, and he is, of course, their starter game one this year. Wide receiver Terry McLaurin, and he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the league, but this offense has not helped him out. He had 1,100 yards receiving last year, though, which considering what he was working with at the quarterback position, not too shabby. Coaching staff led by Ron Rivera, his 27th year in the league, his fourth year with Washington. Always liked the guy. Really strong staff. Eric Bieniemy is now their offensive coordinator. He's the guy that came over from Kansas City. And people have been asking why not a head coaching job for Eric Bieniemy. I think he's got a little bit of drama in his past, which may be clouding his future, limiting his future. A lot of teams don't want to hire him for the head coaching job, but as an offensive coordinator, clearly one of the best. And Jack Del Rio, the old USC linebacker, is their defensive coordinator. 
Remember Bobby Ingram, the bear wide receiver? Well, he's their wide receiver coach. And Ken Zampezi is the senior offensive advisor. And for some of you younger guys, that name Zampezi might not mean much to you, but his dad, Ernie Zampezi, one of the great offensive minds in the history of the National Football League, and he was the offensive coordinator for the Rams for a short time. Really made his name with the Chargers, though, helping run that Air Coriel offense. And remember Jeff Scanina? Man, that's a hard name to say. He is their defensive line coach. He was a Ram defensive lineman in 1997. And during the Greater Show on Turf, 1999 through 2002, back in St. Louis. Who have they lost? Well, they've lost Heineken Wentz, obviously. They lost linebacker Cole Holcomb and cornerback Cameron Dantzler. He went over to the Bills. Additions, they added Jacoby Brissett to back up Sam Howell. They brought over Andrew Wiley. From the Chiefs, he will be their new starting right tackle. And Nick Gates comes over from the Giants. He will be their new starting center. Their draft this year, they went back-to-back cornerbacks in the first and second round. Emmanuel Forbes and Jartavius Martin. And round three and four, they went offensive line center Ricky Stromberg and guard Braden Daniels. Then they went edge, K.J. Henry, the running back, the big running back, Chris Rodriguez Jr., and then an edge rusher, Andre Jones. Not a bad draft. A lot of guys I liked. A lot of guys I had my eyes on for the Rams, especially Forbes, Stromberg, and K.J. Henry, and maybe even Chris Rodriguez. So their key players this year on offense going to be Sam Howell, all about Sam Howell. We talked about the Packers already, and that's all about Jordan Love. Kind of the same deal with the Redskins, another strong defensive team, another young quarterback, And Sam Howell is a guy who my special assistant, who knows everything but prefers to remain anonymous, loved prior to the 2022 draft. Sam Howell, he has a lot of potential. McLaurin and Dotson, the wide receivers, Brian Robinson, the running back. Don't be surprised if Chris Rodriguez makes his mark this year. On defense, Chase Young comes back. He's only played in 12 games over the last two years, including just three last year. He came into the league looking like he was the next great thing off the edge. Still has the potential, just has to stay on the field. And when you mix him in with an already very, very productive defensive line, it could be a little bit scary for opposing quarterbacks. The quarterback situation a little dicey. The veteran Kendall Fuller and then the two rookies. That's one place where they might be vulnerable if these rookies don't get up to speed real fast. SoCal Connections, well, we already talked about Jeff Sgonina, and then they have Terrell Burgess, the ex-Rams safety. He's trying to make that roster. Now, what would I say are their fearsome four keys to the season? Well, fearsome key number one is, of course, the quarterback play. Sam Howell has to step up for the commanders. This team has really struggled to find a reliable signal caller over the last 10 plus years or so. Kirk Cousins, Robert Griffin III, Taylor Heineke, Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, Carson Wentz, Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, Kyle Allen, Josh Johnson, Mark Sanchez, Garrett Gilbert, and Ryan Fitzpatrick have all had their turns trying to run this show here, and none of them have really worked. Cousins was pretty good, but he left for the big money with the Vikings. For some key number two, 
They have some key games early because their schedule is tough late. They open up with the Cardinals at home, then they travel to Denver, then they get the Bills and the Eagles. And that just jumps off the page at me. They got to win that opener against the Cardinals. And you don't want to say any game's a must-win game. Certainly week one is not a must-win game, but this team has a tough schedule. They better get it right against the Cardinals. And then they have those two games with the Giants. Those will be critical as well. Cost them last year. They got to split with the Giants. Maybe try to find a way to win too because this schedule's tough. They get the Bills. They get the Eagles twice. Not a good year to have the AFC East. They get the Dolphins and Jets as well. And of course, the 49ers, Rams, Seahawks. So it's a tough schedule for the Commanders. And kind of like the Rams situation, there are winnable games. And those are the ones you better win. Pull off a couple of upsets and you might be able to save your season. Here's some key number three. You know, the defense is strong, but you have to hope Forbes can play and play soon. Cornerback play is so important in this league, and they're counting on that guy to be a CB1 perhaps on day one, and that's going to be really critical for this defense. Here's some key number four is a lot of turnover on the offensive line, and the offensive line wasn't very good to begin with. Maybe that's a good reason to have a turnover on your offensive line. But a lot of changes up there, likely four starters, at least position-wise, on this offensive line. I saw them rated as the 27th ranked offensive line with the changes that came through. You know, I don't know how much weight to put on that because I see a lot of people rating the Rams offensive line very poorly based on what happened last year, I guess. I don't know. So I don't know how much weight we should put on this 27th ranking But bottom line, a lot of questions around this offensive line. And when you have a young quarterback paired up with an offensive line that struggles, that can be a recipe for a lot of losses. Talked enough about their schedule already. It is rated the eighth most difficult. Over-under win totals, I've seen 6.5 and and 7.5 for this team, similar to the Rams. What's my final word on this team? You know, I like Sam Howell. I think he's going to be a good quarterback. Gotta love this defense. But there's just not enough playmakers on offense. If things go sideways, their defense has some unexpected troubles, maybe in the secondary. Tough schedule. I like the commanders. I really do. But I think they're going to have trouble matching even their 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one record that they had last year. They're going to nail that over-under pretty closely if it's 7.5, 6.5, whatever it is. I'm going with 6-11. and 11. I wouldn't be surprised if they surpass that. Just the schedule looks daunting for me. Young quarterback, great defense. They got to get that run game going, but then the offensive line, issues there. Can they really count on moving the ball on the ground? Surprised they were able to as well as they did last year. I think this offense is going to struggle bottom line. I think Sam Howell's going to show a lot of promise. I hope they don't give up on him just based on the win-loss record. Give him some time. He has a lot of potential. Just don't think it's going to happen this year for the Washington Commanders. And one of those losses, of course, is going to come at SoFi. So they're going to have to find six wins across the rest of the schedule just to get to 6-11. and 11. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at ramsup.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Yeah.
Music courtesy of the YouTube Audio Library. Tracks featuring Bar Crawl by Track Tribe, Buckeye Banzai by Vans in Japan, and Crimson Fly by Hamama. What's your legacy? Miami-Dade residents produce six pounds of trash daily. Much of that is plastic and will remain in our environment long after we're gone. Be part of the solution. Eliminate single-use plastic. More at miamidade.gov slash plastic-free 305.